Well, praise the Lord. This is Pastor Jerry once again bringing you the Word of God. It's always an honor and a privilege to bring you the Word. Praise God. We're just grateful that you're listening in, watching how it is you're connecting with us. We're just grateful you're with us. Praise God. Today, once again, we're going to go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And a key verse, verse 3, of course, in context, this is Paul addressing the church at Corinth, kind of dealing with some issues here. But he says in verse 3, he says, But I fear lest somehow, as the, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Okay. Now, obviously, last week we talked about the simplicity of Christ. We talked about some of the simple little things that the enemy tries to deceive us or talk us out of or somehow get us off base somehow. And I just talked about just some basic things, talked about... Uh, you know, about how God is good and good all the time. We talked about, um, you know, that nothing is impossible to God, nothing's too hard for God, amen, and also talked about all the promises of God uh, in Him are yes and in Him, amen, and uh, kind of put that together, just trying to bring out the fact that God is always good and trying to establish that. You know, anytime something, um, uh, you know, bad's going on, uh, you don't want to point your finger at God and say God's behind it because God's not the author of that mess. Now, the enemy would love you to think that God's the author of that stuff, and that's where a lot of this confusion comes in. The enemy sneaks in there, slithers in here, slithers in there, and does the same thing to you and me as he did to Eve. Okay, so let's define a little bit of that and kind of explain that. It says, as uh, the serpent deceived Eve. Now, obviously, he's talking about Genesis 3, talking about when, uh, you know, he, uh, you know, got in there and manipulated Eve, and then Eve and Adam both partook of the fruit, and, and of course, we have trouble from there on. So, it says, as the serpent deceived Eve. So, let's, let's define a little bit of this again. Uh, the word deception means to seduce wholly, or as a whole, uh, to be beguiled. It means also uh, to attract with bait or to manipulate, okay? So some form of manipulation, kind of put a teaser out there. And, of course, you know, with uh, Eve, obviously she took, uh, she took the bait, all right, hook, line, and sinker, all right, and she got manipulated, all right? Well, although it says here he, do, he did this uh, by his craftiness, okay? So that's kind of a key word. It means uh, trickery, uh, cunning, uh, subtility. Or uh, to be uh, a deceptive, a deceptive reasoning. I like that. That's kind of how what it means. A deceptive reasoning even refers to things like hair splitting. In other words, you just get you off just a little bit on some tangent to try to somehow get you off the truth. Okay, to get you off of this. In this case, talking about just the simplicity of things. I mean, all it takes is a little bit of hair splitting, a little bit of deceptive reasoning. Pretty soon, you're off. Uh, the simplicity uh, of, of some of these truths and the things of God, all right? And that's what he's trying to bring out here uh, to the church of Corinth. He says, "How as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, then it says, so your minds may be corrupted uh, from the simplicity that's in Christ. So your minds, now this word minds, um, noema, uh, which means a perception. It's not really just talking about the intellect, um, you know, about understanding or intellect. It's talking more about your perception of things, your disposition or your posture, okay? Attitude might even fit into here a little bit, all right? It also means purpose, resolve, or decidedness, okay? So uh, perception, disposition, or purpose, okay? Again, referring to resolve 
or decidedness. No, that's the idea. The enemy wants to get your perception off, so all your, your thought processes, your, how you decide things is going to be off. And that's really what it's all about. Now, you remember the, the scriptures talk about how, how the enemy, uh, to not, well, actually says to us, to not be ignorant of the enemy's uh, devices, okay? And that when you break that kind of down, it just really means head games, okay? The enemy's really about head games trying to manipulate and deceive, little, little deceptive reasoning and craftiness. You know, he just tries to somehow manipulate how you see things, how you view things. If he can kind of get you off on that a little bit pretty soon, uh, how you make your decisions from there on is going to be off. It's going to be somehow tainted, which again, this word corrupted, uh, that your minds may be corrupted, uh, is, is the words uh, to be spoiled, defiled, ruined, or tainted, or polluted. Okay, there's that. It also means blemished, but it's referring to complicating things. Somehow getting in there and you, you get everything tainted or off base, pretty soon it's all complicated now. When all along it was just a simple thing. When you, we talk about God being good, it's just a simple thing. God's good, okay? But what happens through a little deceptive reasoning, through a little bit of manipulating, through a little bit of hair splitting, pretty soon it's got you kind of looking at everything from a, a different angle, a different perception now. Now you start thinking it's, you know, that, you know, this bad thing happening must be God because whatever, okay? You know, it's just like, you know, nowadays, well, actually it's been this way for a lot of years, but, uh, you know, they, an insurance claim may say an act of God. You know, it's usually some bad thing that happened and they call it an act of God. Now I understand you know, why they do that, but the bottom line is it wasn't an act of God, uh, but it's, it's uh, you know, it's that little deceptiveness, and pretty soon everybody thinks every bad thing is also a thing of God, when all along it is not, all right, and of course we kind of settled some of that last week, all right, so that your minds may be corrupted uh, from the simplicity uh, that is in Christ. Now that word simplicity, when it took the time and looked it up to, it means singleness, or of sincerity, it's referring to something not pretending, no, no facade, okay, liberality it also means, but in the sense of all in or fully vested, so when he says, you know, being uh, liberal in this sense is being all, all invested here, all, all in, okay, so that's just all the way in, so uh, when we're talking about simplicity, we're not talking about just, uh, you know, it's talking about the whole thing as a whole, you're, you're focused on one thing, this is the way it is, and, and don't get off that, okay? Be fully vested right here. Don't get start, you know, you know, discussing this or pulling this or you know, looking at it this way or looking at it that way. That's what it's talking about. So the word simplicity in the Webster's Dictionary, uh, this would be the 1828 uh, Webster's Dictionary. He uses words like uh, singleness, again, uh, unmixed is one of the words he uses, unmixed or uncompounded. Uh, which, again, is talking about that uh, to be untainted or not complex or complicated, that kind of a thing. So, again, uh, kind of saying the same thing, but, again, kind of maybe just a little, maybe for us, uh, you know, as far as English speaking, uh, you know, this kind of starts to give us a little more clarity about the complexity, uh, the uh, uh, things being complicated. You know, he's talking about just the opposite of that. And, see, the things of God really are not complicated. Uh, you know, sometimes maybe the way man might describe some things or maybe define some things, might bring a little bit of complication in. But as far as he's concerned, nothing's really complicated. Um, you know, there's some things that might cost you a little bit. There's some time, energies, efforts, things like that, that might, you might have to put forth something. That, so in other words, it may not be an easy thing always, but it's always a simple thing. And I hope you understood that, okay, because there is a difference. 
all right? And there may be things that, you know, the, the road is narrow. It's, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's not like it's all over the map. It's not a wide thing. It's pretty simple, pretty basic. The road is narrow. In other words, there's, there's a way, a, a certain way to go. And if you stick with that, roll with that, praise God, you'll get to your destination. You'll get the results you're called to get, praise God. And that's kind of what we discussed a little bit last week. Today, uh, I'm going to stay in 2 Corinthians uh, for at least a part of this. In chapter 5 now, so let's back up and go to chapter 5. Praise the Lord. Hope you got an ear to hear. Hallelujah. I kind of felt like what the Lord kind of gave me today, and I, I really don't have any idea how long this is going to go. Um, you know, it may be a few weeks we'll spend on this. Uh, just talking about some basic things and, you know, just keeping things, you know, just not letting the enemy, you know, talk you out of the simplicity uh, that's in Christ in these, in these areas. So, uh, today, uh, again, out of 2 Corinthians, go to chapter 5. We're going to go to verse 17, please. And it just says this. Let's read a little bit of this, and then we'll kind of come back. It says, uh, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things uh, are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, Reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he, made, in other words, the Father, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Praise God. A powerful text. It's a text most, a lot of times I talk about when I'm dealing with identity, dealing with, uh, you know, talking about ministering on righteousness. This is a powerful text, a text I'm pretty much always going to use, or at least part of it. And uh, verse 17, let's go back up. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, okay, a new species of being. Uh, if you're in Christ, you've made Christ the Lord of your life. And I kind of got to bring that out because, you know, in context, you have to understand that he, he really is talking to a people who know Christ. He's not, he's not talking to the world here. He's not talking to those without Christ. He's talking to those who have Christ. He's trying to let it be known. You've got to know who you are, right? You're a child of God, okay? So you're born again now, all right? It says you're a, now a new creation. You're not the same old individual you used to be. You're a new creation, all right? A new creation. And it says old things have passed away. And behold, look at this, and behold, all things have become new. Now, the thing is he's bringing out here is that everything from here on back is, you know, you got to see that as, okay, the past. you got to see that as it's all passed away. Now, from here on, all things are new is what he's trying to bring out. Now, the thing I want to kind of bring out, and then we're, this is going to be something that's going to be, you know, we're going to probably spend a little time with it before this is over with today, but uh, see this as... You know, he's talking about things from this moment back and things from this moment forward, okay? So you got talking about the past, you're talking about the future here, okay? And then he brings out in verse, um, uh, verse 18, now all things are of God. Now he's talking about the all things that he mentioned in, in chapter, or verse 17. So when he says that all things become new, and then he says now all things, in other words, those all things that have become new are of God. God's got this, this new thing for you. Amen. New things for you. In other words, you're a new creation, and you're, you're, you're not like this person you was before. And you, it's not like it used to be. It's different now. Everything's different. From this moment on, it's different, praise God. 
You've made Christ the Lord of your life. You're a new creation in him. Uh, you're free from your past, and now you have a future, a destiny in him. And that's what he's trying to bring out. And all these uh, great promises, like we talked about last week, you know, these things are for you. All these things are for you. Amen. And they're of God. Amen. And so keep that in mind as we kind of move forward with this today. And then he gets down here. He says, now all things, verse 18 again, now all things are of God. Now here we go. Who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. You see that word there? That is, verse 19, that God was in Christ reconciling, here's that word again, uh, the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now, you notice just in those two verses, there's probably, you know, three, four times there, this word reconciliation is brought up. So uh, this really today is kind of what... going to be the main focus this word reconciliation because the word reconciliation in fact let's define some of this it says there uh that uh uh, verse 18 again that he has or who has pardon me reconciled us to himself so now we're talking about the father so he says all things are of god in other words the father there who has who has so the father has reconciled us to himself okay all right so that's pretty key the word reconciled means uh, uh, to be changed mutually, so something being changed here. It also means to compound a difference. In other words, something's been changed now, made different, okay? It also means to, be, to make peace with or to reunite. Now, this is some key words here, okay? So to make peace with, which is a key word, hang on to that, makes peace with or to reunite, okay? So he's talking about there's been a change in you as an individual, to where now you are being reunited with the Father. Okay, something has changed, has been adjusted, there's been something made a difference now that everything that maybe would have kept you from being one is now removed. So now you're, amen, made peace with or reunited with, okay. Now the word reconciliation, as it talks about here, that you've been all given this ministry of reconciliation, Okay, and talks about uh, Christ reconciling the world, okay, uh, unto himself. Now, look at this. Reconciliation means also an exchange. It means to restore unto favor or to favor. And it really refers to a divine favor. When you kind of look that up in a concordance, it's referring to a divine favor. So he's talking about uh, favor with God, okay. So you've been restored to favor. Um, so in other words, we're talking about an exchange, which kind of talks again about that change or that difference made. So now there's been an exchange. Something has happened, which we know that to be a fact, right? Because Jesus, you know, took upon himself sin that we, you know, paid a price for us, made an exchange, a great exchange. He took our name. He gave us his name. I and mean, we can go on and on and on about this great exchange. So anyway, think about this in reconciliation, a change or an exchange, pardon me, to restore to favor. It also means an atonement. Or a reproachment, which means a bringing together, okay? So again, there's that thing about reuniting or a bringing together, okay? Uh, And then it says, um, well, let's finish this uh, verse 19 here. It's given us the ministry of reconciliation, verse 19. That is that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, okay? Not imputing uh, imputing their trespasses to uh, to them. Now, the word imputing, let's define this, means to take an inventory or take an account, 
to number. Uh, he's talking about, you know, numbering your sins, taking account of your sins, holding your sins against you. That's what he's talking about. So he's not doing that. So he's not imputing their trespasses to them and has then committed to us the word, a word of reconciliation. There was something to speak. So let's look at these verses in the area of reconciliation. What God has done, okay, he has reconciled us to himself because you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. You're now all the barriers, all the things that need to be changed in you to make it right so you could be uh, come to him, to be reunited with him. What was that other word? Uh, also means to, uh, let's see here, uh, a bringing together, okay, a reproachment, uh, reproach, I think I said that right, reproachment, okay, which means a bringing untogether or an atonement, okay. So, in other words, a restoration. Something's happening, something was made different to bring you unto him. Obviously, what Jesus did, made a way so that you can come unto him, okay? Now, today I'm going to talk about running unto God, always run to God. We never run from God, we always run to God. Now, hang on to that, because, see, he's made a way for us to always come unto him. That's what it's bringing out here, okay? Jesus paid a price so that you will always have access to him, all right? And then it says he's given you now a ministry of reconciliation, Okay, a ministry, a calling, a gift, uh, something you're called to do, a working of something, a doing of something, and he called it a ministry of reconciliation. So not only has he paid a price to bring you unto him, now we're even called with, and it goes on later to say, a word of reconciliation. In other words, we're called with a word in an area of ministry to do the same exact thing. So the same way we were made uh, you know, made right in a sense to go unto him so we can come to him. We're called to tell everybody else that. The point I'm trying to make is God has made a way. Every barrier is removed. Every limitation's out. Everything's gone as far as everything that would hold you back from being able to come to the Father. When you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you always have access to the Father. That's that ministry of reconciliation. See, you've been reconciled. Now you're called to go tell everybody that same word that they could be reconciled so that when, we, when they receive Christ or, or maybe those that maybe already have received Christ, because this is going to come up, okay, they've already made Christ the Lord of your life, but due to whatever reasons, okay, due to something in the past, okay, maybe guilt, shame, condemnation, those kind of things because of mistakes or things that have happened in the past. Maybe things didn't happen the way they wanted. Whatever, all kinds of different things from the past that can hold them back. Or even things forward. In other words, even though they got a future and a destiny, they got a lot on their plate. They don't know what, how, what, what's ahead. They're a little fearful of this or fearful of that or their time restraints, all kinds of things. The point is, there could be all kinds of things, whether we're talking about stuff behind us or stuff ahead of us, that can keep us from running unto God, to going to God, to spending time with God, okay? And that you need to understand. So we're talking about now you've got a word of reconciliation with a ministry of reconciliation. In other words, so whether we're talking about the unsaved or saved here, this is a word that could be for, you know, for either one, depending on where they're at, right? Obviously, those that don't know Christ need to come to Christ so they can enter into that place. And those that do know Christ, maybe due to these things we mentioned here a minute ago, uh, maybe these things are things that hold them back or keep them out of the presence of God or out of the uh, time spent with God. You know, then they, they, instead of running to God, they're running from God based on whatever, okay? Or maybe avoiding God for whatever reasons. Okay, now a lot said in there. But the point I'm trying to make that the simplicity of Christ here is this, that you always have access to the Father. 
We're, all, we're always called to run to God. No matter whether it's something you know, that's behind us or something that's ahead of us. That's trying to somehow, and I'll get this, somehow the enemy is trying to manipulate, somehow through a deceptive reasoning, maybe hair splitting, through some form of manipulation, some form of trickery, he's trying to get you to not go unto the Father based on, you know, something yesterday or yesteryear or something tomorrow that maybe you're just nervous about or fearful about or maybe, uh, you know, whatever, all kinds of different reasons. And we'll get on some of those here in a minute. But the bottom line is, okay, we always have access to God. Don't let the enemy talk you out of the simplicity of that. And child of God, I hope you're hearing me today. You know, so many times um, children of God miss out on things just because they won't spend time with God. If you just go to the Father, you'll be amazed at what kind of results you can get in life. Amen. You can get this thing done. He'll help you with your past. He'll help you with your future. Praise God. And whatever it is you're dealing with, I'll tell you the answers are always in Him. All right? And somebody says, well, Pastor, you just don't understand. Um, you know, I've, um, you know I'm, I'm just not in a place where I need to be for God. And, and well, that's, I'm glad you're listening in then. So let's look at the rest of this verse or this, this text. In verse 20 now, it says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, amen, as though God were pleading through us to I implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now remember, he's talking to the church. He's not talking to the world. So he says, listen, okay, and I don't, we, you know, we're, we got a word of reconciliation because we're called to the ministry of reconciliation. He says, so we're ambassadors, we're representatives, okay, we're diplomats, so to speak, representatives of, of a higher realm, a higher kingdom, Amen. And with a message, amen, to try to get everybody to move toward God. All right. Now, hang on. Verse 21 says, And he made him who knew no sin, so what God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us, like a great exchange here, that we might become the righteousness of God. Now, most of the time, you know, I'm going to minister out of this. I'm going to spend a lot of time with this thing about righteousness. And the word righteousness in itself, let's go ahead and define it, though. It means rendered right or right standing with or having rights and privileges with, all right? It means also words like justified or equity. These are also words a lot of times in the scriptures you might see, and that's the same exact Greek word. But it literally means an ability to stand before God without guilt, without condemnation, as though sin had never been, okay? Now, like I said, normally I'm going to spend a lot of time with this, but today I'm trying to focus on the fact that there's a, been a way made for you that you always can come to the Father. Now, what has happened is you've been made now in a place of right standing with God based on what Jesus did. So you may say, well, I don't feel right or I don't feel like I'm where I need to be. But the word isn't, isn't, it says here it's not based on how you feel. It's based on what he's done, what Christ has done. So that's why a lot of times I refer to that as part of your identity. You're the righteousness of God whether you feel like it or not. That's who you are. You're in right standing with God based on what Christ did. Amen. And the word is real clear. You know, Romans 3, um, I think it's like around verse 22 in there. It, it talks about that, that this is to all and on all who believe. If you'll believe the message of, of the fact that you're in right standing based on what Christ has done, it's to you and it's on you. Praise God. It's on all who will believe it, who will receive it. Amen. And that's what he's looking for, people to believe that. The point being is there was a way made for you to go be before the Father. And, and so every little excuse you might try to come up with to say, well, I have no right to go before God is, is really a, just a, a bad excuse because in all honesty, Jesus took care of that mess, all right? 
And that's going to make more sense even as we get into this. But, you know, somebody might say, well, Pastor, you don't stand. I've, I've blown it. I've sinned. Well, we, we know that he paid a price for sin. Somebody say, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a child of God, and I, and I still blew it. I really messed up, and I did something that, uh, you know, I, I know better. Well, that's what sin is. Sin is to know to do good and not do it. So, obviously, you knew what you were doing, and you, you made a mistake. But the word is real clear. First John 1, 9, kind of an out on that. He says that, if, you know, if you will confess that sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you of that sin. And cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I mean, right there just kind of just says, well, if you think that you're, you know, that's messing things up, well, then make that right. Now jump back in there and, and get in this. And, and somebody says, well, Pastor, that's, that's kind of that's cheesy. You know, I mean, you're kind of giving, you know, you know, giving people permission to sin or something. No, we're not giving you permission to sin. Okay, we're not making light of sin. We're not, you know, condoning sin. We're not justifying sin. We're not, you know, somehow or another, uh, you know, ignoring sin. That's not what we're doing. See, when we're talking about righteousness, it's not about giving you permission to sin. What it's doing is it's remission of sin, which means the removal of, the release of. Okay, so when we're talking about all of this. God's trying to get you to come to him so you can get a release from all this mess. This thing that keeps hanging you up, you need to hang out with the one that will get you free from it. I mean, I'm just saying. See, it's not giving anybody a license to sin. If anything, it's, it's allowing you to overcome sin. That's what it's about. It's about conquering sin. It's about overcoming that. That's why the word says that sin shall not have dominion over you. All right? And that's just the whole thing. The thing that I, I, I can't stress enough, when we sit here and we spin our wheels day in and day out trying to somehow fix something that we messed up, you know, we blew it, we, we made the mistake, and now I'm going to do everything I can to try to somehow make it right. Well, my thought is, why don't you just go to the one that already made it right, okay? You know, instead of trying to fix it. You know, sometimes that's kind of that's kind of silly when you stop and think about it. You know, the one that made the mistake now is going to be the one to try to somehow get you free from or, 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 or fix it or something. No, no, you're just gonna you're just going to be digging a hole, all right? So it's better to go to the one, and that's why this whole thing is so important. Don't let the enemy talk you out of, of, of spending time with the Father. Don't let him talk, you know, somehow taunt you with some mistake that you made of yesterday and yesteryear. Don't let him somehow taunt you and get you, uh, you know, so uh, preoccupied or overwhelmed or fearful of what's even ahead, all right? You have to understand that the one, is, the one who can, can help you with your past and help you with your future, okay, is the one, praise God, that is calling you unto him right now. So... To me today, I'm, I'm you know, in a, in a roundabout way trying to show you the simplicity of just running to God. Just go to God. Don't sit here and, and, and try to analyze it. Just go to God. Because if, if, if anything needs to be analyzed, then go to him and let him help you analyze it, okay, if that's the case. Okay, and, and, and maybe, uh, you know, uh, well, hopefully you heard that, all right? Let's take a look at another text. Um, uh, let's go to the, the book of Ephesians. Let's do that, the book of Ephesians. And chapter 2, please. I want to maybe settle something before I move on here. Ephesians 2. Praise the Lord. Ephesians 2. And I think just for sake of time, um, uh, boy, Otherwise, I get too preachy, and I'm going to have to stop and talk about a lot of this other stuff. But let's just do this. Let's go to verse 13, Ephesians 2, 13. And 
It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. In other words, Jesus paid a price, right? Okay. All right, verse 14. For he himself is our peace. Okay, there's that word again. He's our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Now, of course, in Conte, he's talking about the, uh, the, the wall of separation between God and man, between Jew and Gentile. We could even, even probably plug in here between um, one another, okay? So we know that he's talking about that in context, okay? But, but just primarily, let's look at it in the area of between God and man, okay? Okay, because that wall's been brought down because of what Christ has done, okay? Let's jump here, verse maybe 17 now. And he came, this is Ephesians 2, 17, and he came and preached peace to you who were afar off. Now remember Jesus, amen, came, uh, you know, even when, as, as an infant, born, you know, here it says, on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. And the word prophesied in Isaiah about the, the child, uh, the son coming, the child coming, who was the, referred to as the prince of peace. Well, the scriptures are real clear all through uh, the gospels and through the epistles. You see where he came uh, as, uh, you know, our peace, and he came preaching peace. Amen, uh, to restore. And that word peace just means to restore, to bring, to make things right, to bring things back into order. That's really what it's talking about. And he said, he came and preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near. Okay, talking about in the sense they're dealing with the Jew and the Gentile there. Uh, for though, or pardon me, for through him, pardon me, for through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. That's my point. Okay, we have access based on what Jesus said or what Jesus did. It's just another text showing you Jesus made a way, paid a price for you and me to have access to the Father. Okay, I'm trying to eliminate all the excuses that we might have that we may not go to the Father. Okay, instead of running to God, we're running from God or avoiding God or something, okay? All right, let's jump down here to chapter 3 a little bit. Kind of brings uh, some more things up. Verse 11 here, and I know I'm kind of jumping in the middle of a statement here, but it says, according to the eternal purpose which he, talking about Jesus, accomplished, or actually, I must be talking about the Father there, I'm sorry, according to the eternal pur purpose which he, the Father, accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom, okay, in Jesus, there we go, now, in Christ, we have boldness, or assurance, or courage, or confidence, we have boldness and access, there it is again, with confidence through faith in him. So the point I'm just trying to make, again, just saying the same thing, Okay, trying to eliminate all the, all the excuses. You know, you may, for whatever reason, think, I, have, I don't have a right to go to the Father. He don't, you know, he ain't going to want to talk to me, blah, 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 whatever, all the little things, whether it's something dealing with your past or something dealing with, with what's ahead, okay, uh, the things that are on your plate, whatever it may be. The point is, there are no excuses. Jesus made a way for you to come to him. And you got you to gotta see that as just a simple truth. Okay? And not let the enemy, through some deceptive reasoning or through some manipulating, uh, some hair splitting, somehow getting you. If, you. if you stop and you really think about it, a lot of the Gospels even, or pardon me, a lot of the epistles, pardon me, um, you know, things like the uh, Galatians, um, some things in Romans, you see it, where, um, where the enemy through manipulation worked through some other people and got them to kind of get off the simplicity of the fact that they're accepted, and now all of a sudden they're back trying to do works again, somehow trying to get accepted. 
Okay, that was, that was through some deceptive reasoning that got people to, to lose sight. Their perception got off. And now they're back trying to somehow live under the law, thinking that was what God wanted when all along that's not. He paid a price. Now, God's not looking for everybody to live, uh, to, to not live right. But he says, if you will come to me, I'll help you live right. I'll help you do this right. Okay, that's what the whole thing was about. The father not only is the one that designed you, he's the one, uh, you know, that not only designed your life ahead of you, he's the one that wants to help you in the midst of it. He wants to empower you to live it, praise God. And that's how this thing was meant to work. And so what happens is when our perception gets off, pretty soon we're straining and struggling and working overtime to try to somehow, you know, be accepted or somehow get God to, to look at us differently or something. I mean, there's all kinds of things. But through that deceptive reasoning, through that hair splitting, uh, so to speak, the enemy deceives us, deceives our thinking, gets us off base of the simplicity that's in Christ. Now, uh, again, it's just another way of just showing you that Jesus made a way so that you always have access. And it says here to do it with confidence, to do it with, with some boldness, some assurance, praise God. All right, so uh, with that said, let's uh, jump into uh, Hebrews now, Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews 4, please. Oh, hallelujah. Like I said, a lot of this I might, would normally kind of jump on, kind of head more down talking about righteousness and things like that, but uh, I'm trying to really just stay focused on the fact of, uh, we're just talking about getting you to come to the Father. See, it's a, you know, you were reconciled unto him. And then he wants you not only, uh, you know, to receive what he's done, he wants you to go around with the word of reconciliation under the ministry of reconciliation to help reconcile others. That's why you're now an ambassador with that message to go get everybody to come to him. The idea is to get everybody to come to him. Every, we can get everybody to go to him. We can fix most, most of the world's problems. The problem is we got a lot of people avoiding him. We got a lot of people maybe due to mistakes, uh, you know, uh, somehow they through shame or guilt or condemnation that won't go because they feel like they're not worthy or, or they're not right. Well, that's why we're trying to eliminate all that mess, all that deceptive reasoning of the enemy, and get you to understand that you always have access to the Father. And you may say, well, I just blew it. Well, great. The one you need to hang out with to fix it is, is you know, is the Father. He's your source. So this is what it's about. Don't lose the simplicity of that. Always go to the Father. Always run to God, never from God. Always run to God. Always run to God. I, I can't even say it enough. Always run to God. I mean, if you want, if you want something fixed of yesterday, run to God. You want something, you know, help for, for something tomorrow, run to God. Okay? If there's something you're dealing with right now, amen, or, you know, internal, run to God. He's the one that understands how it all works. That's why last week we talked about God is good all the time. Settle it. Amen. Nothing's impossible with him. Settle it. It doesn't matter what it is. There's nothing too hard for him. He can fix it. Pray. He can turn something. He can change something. Whatever it has to happen. He can do it. Praise God. Amen. And every promise. Every promise is yes and amen in him. Every promise. Okay. Which means this. Okay. That even if somehow or another you think you've messed up something to not receive a promise. See, you go to him. He gets it all fixed. And that promise can once again be revived in a sense. Amen. So it's always yes and always amen. And you just have to have it, and, and, and that's why we go to God. That's what it's all about. Amen. Well, I keep repeating myself, but I, I'm trying to make the point here. Hebrews 4, 
Verse 16, common text, it just says this, Let us therefore come boldly, right, to the throne of grace, amen, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Common text, okay, but again, it's talking about coming unto God, all right, coming unto God, all right, drawing unto Him, praise God. And we, you know, as the book of James brings out, draw near to Him, He draws near to you. Now, the, the point of that is that, you know, as you move toward God, make, and in any of your area of your life that you move toward God, then every Every fiber of him moves toward fixing that or changing that or adjusting that or helping with that, whatever it may be. So that's what that's referring to. So here he says, come boldly to the throne of grace. Now, in this text, most of the time, I'm going to deal primarily with grace. But you notice he mentions both mercy and grace. He says, come boldly to the throne of grace that you may, here we go, obtain mercy. Okay, obtain mercy. In other words, you know, take hold of mercy. All right, and then find or obtain or discover this. This word really means to discover or locate. In other words, that grace to help in time of need. Now, I want to probably spend a little bit of our time with this because, um, as I mentioned in our text here in 2 Corinthians, that, you know, he talks about, uh, you know, that the old is past and all the new is in front of you here, right? So he talks about your past. He talks about your future. All right. Well, here, this verse is talking about the same thing, that God can help you with things of your past and help you with things of your future. And that's really the difference between mercy and grace. You know, a lot of times when I hear people define, uh, you know, grace, uh, most of the time they're defining mercy. I think a lot of times there's confusion on that. And to me, it's just a simple definitions, okay? And you look at that, and then all of a sudden it makes sense, all right? So let's look at some of that, all right? All right, let's define some of it. Now, the word mercy, okay, the word mercy means compassion. It means a loving kindness or a covenant kindness, okay. It means a favor or a good deedliness. Now, it means to work on behalf of another, okay, uh, to do an act or an action on behalf of another. Uh, it refers to also paying a price for another, okay. So mercy, when you think about mercy, mercy is about taking care of what has already happened, okay, it's already there to take care of. That's why the word says his mercies are new every day. All right? And I think Lamentations 3 brings that out. All right? His mercies are new. Also, the book of Psalms, many places, referring to his mercies. Every day there's mercies, fresh new mercy. Amen. There's mercy. Right. Why? Because you need help with yesterday. Because chances are you probably didn't do everything right yesterday. Or didn't do everything right yester hour. <laughs> yester minute. Whatever. The point is that mercy is there uh, to help uh, fix whatever's from here on back. That's why he says you're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Okay? Even we see in uh, the book of Philippians, okay, uh, Paul brings it out. He says, uh, um, he talks about forgetting those things which are behind, amen, and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Okay? So he brings out, uh, you know, that if, if I'm going to move forward, i got to have to be, you know, get a hold of this, so i got to let go of some things behind me. Okay? Now, again, the past, the future. We're, we're seeing how, how God wants to get involved with this, okay? That's why we run to God, okay? Well, I have things of yesterday that are holding me back. You know, I blew it again. I messed things up again, okay? And, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, I keep doing this. I keep this, this, you know, constantly tripping up, constantly messing up or whatever, okay? Or, or it could be due to uh, something didn't quite happen like I thought or like I wanted, and uh, whatever. I mean, we could have all kinds of things that kind of hold you, hold you back from just your past. Okay. Now, God's the one that can help you with all that. All right. Now, let me define grace, and then we'll kind of we'll put all this together. 
The word grace itself means a gift or a benefit, right, a favor again, but it means a, a divine influence, and this is what I usually focus on, a divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the light. So that's why you go to the throne of grace, to meet the God of grace, to get the grace from God, right? I mean, that's what it's about. So you go there and you get grace, you get that divine influence, and that divine influence means a, you know, a, a divine impact or impartation. So I spend time with him to be divinely imparted, right? And then it's reflected in my life so I can walk this thing out. That's what it's all about. So I have mercy here to, to, in a sense, I could say, eliminates any hindrance that would hold me back. And grace is here to make the difference to move me forward. We can kind of say it that way. So mercy is all about, okay, things from this moment back, whereas grace is all about this moment forward. Now, you got to hang on to that because in God, we're talking about the God uh, uh, of mercy and a God of grace. He's the God that can help you with your past and help you with your future. All right? That's why you want to run to God. You never want to, you never want to somehow you know, get talked out of that. Don't let the enemy manipulate you into not spending time with, with God. All right? The, every, everything that you need is in God. He's your source. He's your answer. He's your counsel, your wisdom. We can go on and on and on. Okay? In this particular text, we see there's mercy, there's grace. Okay? Uh, you, you spend time with him, you'll find that you're free from your past. You'll find it because God is good and good all the time. Amen. You're going to find out, praise God, how good God really is. Okay? The enemy's trying to torment you with your past. You ever notice how the enemy works that? He talks you into doing something, and then when you do it, then he beats you up with it. Okay? That's how the enemy works. But God, all right, is, gets you set free from it. Again, we're not making light of sin. We're not condoning sin. We're not justifying sin. We're not somehow, uh, you know, excusing it somehow. We're just saying, praise God, go to the one that can help you with it. Go to the one that can empower you to walk free from it. Amen. So you can overcome sin. All right. He's your answer. But see, if the enemy talks you out of going to him, then you continue this vicious cycle and never get free from it. Or you say, well, I'm called to do great things. I know I'm called to do things, but I I get fearful of that or I panic about that or I, uh, you know, I I feel like I'm not going to, you know, not going to, you know, I've messed up so many times in the past. I don't think I can do it. So now I fear and all that kind of stuff. Well, the same thing, see, you go to the one that can empower you to do it. That's what grace is all about, that divine influence upon your heart. Now it's reflected in your life, and you begin to walk out the things that God has designed for your life. And that's how this thing works. Grace really is about, uh, you know, empowering you in your future. All right? Uh, I think it's the book of Acts, and maybe I'll read it real quick. Uh, in Acts in, uh, 32, I believe it is. Uh, now, Acts 20, verse 32, that's what it is. All right, Acts 20, verse 32. And it says, uh, it talks about the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified, okay? This is Paul talking, obviously. But he said he's talking about that word of his grace, okay? Okay, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance. And that word means a possession or a portion of your allotment. Okay, he's talking about your future, your destiny, okay? That's what that word means. So build you up and give you your, your inheritance, your destiny, all right? Another common text, uh, you know, would be uh, Jeremiah, right? Jeremiah 29, verse 11, and uh, it goes on. It says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, we know this is an old covenant, but he's talking about even then about getting you to get a hold of his thoughts, Okay, to attack, you know, so you can live out your future. His thoughts are good, not evil, right? To give you a future and hope. Well, he's talking about hook up to his thoughts. Now, and then it talks about in verse 12 there, 
This is Jeremiah 29, again, 11, 12, and 13, I'll read. It says, Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me uh, when you search for me with all your heart. So he's talking about going unto him, spending time with him. Even in the Old Covenant, he's referring to, If you spend time with me, I'll help you with your future. All right, I'll empower you. I'll strengthen you. In fact, if you really kind of read all through there in Jeremiah, he's talking about both the past and the future. He's talking about you can get a release from that mess behind you come out of captivity and come into your future. I mean, the same thing. See, don't lose sight of the simplicity of the fact that you got to spend time with him. Go to him. Run to him. Spend any amount of time you can uh, with him. All right? So we're seeing here, we're seeing the, the importance of mercy, and we're seeing the importance of grace. Amen? Somebody says, well, Pastor, I've, I, I've really blown it so many times. Well, you know, when you go to God, God gives you a plan. I mean, there's no doubt about it. There's a plan. There's a uh, we could maybe see plan A, okay? And somebody says, well, Pastor, I've, I kind of blew plan A a long time ago. Well, you might have blew yesterday's plan A, okay? But you, you have to understand how this thing works, okay? And if you get a hold of this, you'll see how simple it is, okay? You say, well, I blew yesterday's plan A. Well, that's why you go to God today and get plan A. Because God understands, okay, all the variables. God's not, you know, God's not, you know, ignorant of all the variables. God's not ignorant of the fact that you messed up yesterday, you know, he's not ignorant of that. So, you know, the point is this. You go to God. Now that, that thing that was plan A for today or for tomorrow that you messed up yesterday, come on, somebody, now all of a sudden becomes a thing where now mercy covers that. Okay, now you're graced again to do again what God wants you to do today. And if you understand that God is good all the time and that nothing's, nothing's too hard for God and all the promises of God in him are yes and amen, that's why you go to God. Why? Because every day there's a new plan A, no matter what you did with it yesterday. And I'm trying to encourage you, child of God, don't let the enemy manipulate you and talk you out of the presence of God. Talk you out of time spent with God. Run to God. Never run from God. Because the God, amen, that we serve, praise God, not only can, can take care of that past, but he can take care of that future, praise God. And whatever it is that's going on in your heart and your head right now, whatever's going on in your life right now, whatever's going on in your marriage, your family, your business, whatever it is, I'm telling you, God is always your answer and always your source. Child of God, don't lose sight of the simplicity of just going unto God. Amen. So you might say, well, I've blown plan A. Well, go to God, amen, and you'll find God will give you a whole new plan, whatever it is. He'll adjust whatever he has to adjust. Now, we're not making light of the mistakes. We're not making light of any of that. I'm just telling you, praise God, if you go to God, you might be amazed what God can fix and what God can empower you to do. You might be amazed how God can bring something around again, praise God, and make it all right. I'm just encouraging, child of God, don't lose sight of that. Now, there's all kinds of things you find in the presence of God, and maybe just quickly I'll touch on some of them. The Word says, in fact, he told Moses in Exodus 33 that there's rest in God. Okay, in his presence is rest. Okay, you want to you want the rest of God? It's in him. Okay, <clears throat> the scripture says in Psalm 16 that the, the the fullness of joy is in his presence. Okay, so time spent with God means you're gonna you're gonna attach to yourself to that that rest to the fullness of joy. It says also pleasures for more and more. In other words, full satisfaction comes to you in his presence. Uh, the book of Acts chapter three brings out times of refreshment, times of restoration. I'm telling you, man, I mean, there's so much good in God if you just get yourself to God. Amen. Colossians 1 brings out that in him, you know, that you can be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you will have a walk worthy of him, fully pleasing him, and fruitful in every good work. In other words, if you spend time with him, there's wisdom, there's counsel, there's understanding, so you can move forward. 
I mean, we're talking about everything that you could ever need in God is in God, or ever need in your life is in God. All right, so that's, that's what we're trying to encourage. Don't let the enemy talk you out of time spent with God. Don't let him manipulate. Don't let him not talk you out of that sim- simple truth that time spent with God is always your answer. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Child of God, I hope you got something today. Father, I give praise and glory for this people, that they had an ear to hear, a heart to receive it. Again, opening the eyes of our understanding, making things clear that we can see things as you see things. Hallelujah. Know the things that we need to know. Praise God. And for that, we give you the praise and we give you the glory in Jesus' name. Child of God, I call you blessed. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash WO Victory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.